Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cappy Productions. If you're like me and you hate the grind of finding new bands but love when you find them, I have a recommendation for you. After Dark is sponsoring today's show, and they are fantastic. So if you're anything like me, go check them out. Check out Colors is probably the first one I'll recommend. After that, my second favorite's probably Break Away. Highly recommend them. Spotify After Dark. Hello and welcome back to the Conquest of Bliss. I am here with the lovely Eric Allen, host of the Eric Allen Show and top-rated MMA show. How are you today, Eric? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Such an honor. I am so excited to talk to you today. We're going to talk about not letting our past define us. So what is it about that topic that drew you? Like, How did you end up you know, being a, a person who, who wants to speak on that? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm 41 right now. I didn't release my story till I was 39. I held on to a lot of shame. I held on to a lot of embarrassment of my childhood. And once I realized that I should get this out, I should put it out there. And man, it was such a relief off my shoulders. And I started getting like people reaching out saying, thank you for sharing your story. That was huge. I had a similar background. This totally helped. And so for me, I just realized that, you know what? At any moment in our life, we can make a decision to change and we don't have to let our past, no matter what it was, really define our future. We can make a change at any point. And so that's really my mentality going forward. Yeah, and and you know what? I re- resonate with that so much. It was actually only in the last couple of years that I too shared my story. Okay. And and you know, you, you said a word that means a lot to me and that's shame. Mm. So like my relationship to shame now is, is remarkably different. I used to do the same thing, holding a lot of things and, yeah. you know, not even necessarily fear of judgment, but fear of confirmation of my worst yep. fears, you know? Um, so now, <laughs> I don't know if you have a similar process, but now if I start to feel ashamed of something, I go out of my way to tell someone. I'm like, oh. hey, I did this thing. <laughs> yeah, oh, so good though. <laughs> yeah, it so feels good so good. Yeah. So so you uh, you mentioned your story a little bit. Can you give us like a brief overview of, of what kind of things you're, you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in uh, you know a typical household. I thought like played little league, went to Sunday school. My dad would take my best friend Dave and I literally throw us in dumpsters behind stores and say, "Go find treasure," you know, like that's just what I grew up around. So you know, it was like it was this fun life. And then my parents got divorced when I was uh, eleven years old. My mm-hmm. mom got together with a guy who was very physically abusive, so I watched her get beat up quite a bit. Uh... Moved us to Montana. And they literally bought a house or rented a house at three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my sister, and one for my brother who they had together who was just a couple months old. And they said, Eric, you're going to live in the garage. And so I lived out in a garage while I was there. Luckily, there was a fireplace that kept me semi-warm during the winter when I got into negative degrees in Montana. But uh, at one point, I had lost it. You know, they came home arguing one night. ended up fighting my mom's boyfriend. I hit him in the head twice with a steel, uh, with a cast iron pan, lots of blood, and uh, got him off of him. And my mom never pressed charges though any time that ever happened. And I was kicked out of my mom's house at that point. And how and old were you then? 13. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I went in, I had three months left of my freshman year of high school. So I bounced mm-hmm. around from couches of buddies. And then I left to go back to live with my dad out in Washington state. And he rented a house for him and I, and he would go and put 20 bucks in a cup for my lunch money, fill the freezer with hunger man meals. And then he'd go stay with his girlfriend. Oh. So I had no accountability I had nobody watching over me. I'd see my dad maybe once or twice a month for the, my entire rest of my high school year, sophomore through senior. And so I got into a lot of trouble. I started doing drugs at really early age, all kinds of drugs, hallucinogens, pot, and, I mean, drinking very early on. 
18 years old, I was arrested for having a bong. Uh, no one wow. ever taught me about money. So I uh, had it got a credit card at 18. And I was like, oh, I can go get this and I don't have to pay very much for it. Like, you know, I started getting all these credit cards. By the time I'm 21, I'm $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. Oh my gosh. So that's, that's wild. Yeah. Um, so at, at 18, you got, you got arrested for having a bong. Right. Oh and now goodness. it's legal in the state of Washington. But <sighs> at the time, this is in 1998, uh, it was not legal. And I was actually in Dayton County or Dayton, Washington. I think it's Columbia County out there, but I'd never been in a courtroom before. Literally mm-hmm. go to the courtroom. The judge is like, dude, you know, why should, why shouldn't I throw you in jail for 90 days? And I'm like, Oh crap. Sorry. My dog just barked there. That's <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, I was, I was scared. I had, I got uh, 90 days jail, 89 suspended, had a check in jail. I was still senior in high school, black and white chain gang outfit on bright orange slippers, 145 mm. pounds, scared to death. Oh, I bet. And had to spend 24 hours in jail and it was the scariest day ever. Oh my goodness. That's, that is terrifying. And that's, that's like, okay, so I have a hard time understanding American prison system. So there's county jail, there's state prison and federal prison, right? So you would have yes. been in county jail? It was a county jail. So there was okay. probably 12 or 13 other inmates in there. I was probably. definitely the youngest. I was just going to say, they were probably all adults. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were in there for various crimes from from violence to um, you know theft and things like that. And luckily, like the, the cell that I had that had the bunk beds, there wasn't enough guys in there where I had my own cell, which was good. That I didn't sleep though at all. And I was so scared. I just sat there and didn't talk to anybody for 24 hours. I mean, I was like, freaked out and mm-hmm. they would bring the food in where you could see it outside the door they'd let it get cold then they'd slide it under you so it was pretty pretty crazy oh my goodness oh yeah. my goodness i'm so sorry you had to deal with that but i'm sure that it was very enriching later on as far well, as lessons <laughs> you would think so i, I got a year <laughs> of probation and so i could i could have gotten drug tested at any point so what i did was i quit smoking pot and doing all the drugs for a year but then i i switched over to drinking alcohol very heavily for the next year oh yeah that's that's no bueno. Pot and alcohol right. have very different effects on your your life oh. and livelihood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, so following that, you said you ended up uh, you ended up taking out credit cards, which I've seen hundreds of people do. Is the the yeah. lack of understanding. So when everything was messy, like what what was the turning point? What what started to make things not so chaotic and scary? And by the way, congratulations for surviving all of that because that's some fucking bullshit that you had to go through. Oh my God, I'm sorry if you're not okay with cussing. I should have no, asked first. No, totally fine. But- <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. I got kicked out two weeks after I graduated high school, but my dad, I woke up to a note that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. Oh. And so by, t- by the time between 18 and 21, I'd moved 21 times. I was oh my gosh. People, and sometimes it was like, hey, I have this second cousin who has a room. You can stay for four days, right? I mean, it was just like all over the place. I had a hundred bucks in my pocket and I moved to Seattle to get into the music business. Didn't know anything about the music business, but I just knew that I wanted to be involved in it. And this was kind of the leading towards that path of having this awakening moment. Mm-hmm. But I get this job or this internship with Universal Records in downtown Seattle. They didn't pay me. I just showed up every day, just stuffing <laughs> posters, right? And I was like, I'm in the music business. It was cool. And I got to go to two to three concerts a week with an oh. open tab, which was awesome. Uh, except it didn't help my addictions because I had an open tab. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time backstage with rock stars and things like that. And I would sit up meet and greets. And after six months, they're like, okay, you show up here every day. Let's just start paying you. So I I got paid as the mailroom coordinator. And I was setting meet and greets and tracking sales and stuff. And then my one-year anniversary got laid off during the Napster days. Oh, no. And- 
again, sends me down this path of just depression. I'm working at Starbucks and I'd get off work. I was a night manager, go drink my six pack of beer and uh, go back to my ghetto apartment and drink myself to sleep every night. And I had no friends or just depressed. One night, this one girl walked in, really hot girl, and said, hey, we got this cool college days event at our church. Would you be interested in going? And me not having friends, she's really good looking. Yeah, I'll go, right? <laughs> yeah. So I go down there and I ended up knowing all these people at this church. I was like, oh, dude, I, I remember you from high school. I remember you from college. It was just this weird connection. And um, about a month later, I woke up Easter morning. And for me personally, I gave my life to Christ. I uh, woke up in my buddy's basement surrounded by a bunch of people uh, after a night of partying. And I felt like it was just time for me to quit. And I quit cold turkey, everything. Yeah, time Drugs, to move forward. Everything, right? Um, called that girl up and got her voicemail and said, hey, happy Easter. Maybe I'll see you at the Starbucks store. And about a month later, we're dating now. We've been married for almost 17 years. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's been that's, a fun journey. That's so exciting. Yeah. So so going to church really started to um, trigger, you know, a lot of these changes. Like you said, you quit cold turkey. Yeah. So what about sort of the emotional stuff? Because like, I know that for a lot of people going to church doesn't help them to let go of their past or, right. or some of these other things. Like that alone is usually not the catalyst you know, for, for the emotional changes. So, sure. so what kind of happened on that side? You know, I, I brought in a lot of baggage into my marriage, so, you know, cause I, I had seen, you know, how, how I didn't want marriage to be, but I didn't ever got told or shown how to have a proper marriage. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was Relatable. ashamed of my past. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think it took me a while. Like I, I wanted to submerge myself in just getting better. And so I started reading books like crazy when I, when I first decided to make that change. And I was reading like a book a week, which was just nuts because I'd never read books before really. Mm -hmm. And so I just started getting like on the mental side of things. How do I forgive myself of the past that I've, I've had? And so I had to get through that. It took a while. Um, but I started hanging around people that were, I felt like were leaders and mentors to me. So I started mm -hmm. like, you know, hanging around them. I don't have to have coffee with them once a week. And it really helped. And I even went to a, um, psychologist at one point, or is that a counselor maybe? Yeah, I went to a counselor um, for about six months just to kind of figure out like, hey man, this is, I understand like, why, why did all this stuff happen to me? How do I get better? And it just helped to talk with somebody. Absolutely. And, you know, it helped me to get that out. It was just me and the counselor. I'd never been to a counselor before. And there was a lot of tears. There was a lot, a lot of like, why is this happening? Why did that happen? And I still held on to that. You know, like mm -hmm. like I said, I'm 41 now. Didn't share my story till just two years ago. And I saw that counselor probably in my early marriage a couple of years. And we've been married for almost 17 years. So um, it, was a, it was a big change that I had to make, but I had to just let it out. I had to go talk to people, find people that could help me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And, and you know, you, you were mentioning having mentors and stuff like that, yeah. and that can make such a huge difference. Totally. Um, and, and I think, you know, you mentioned going to church. I think that having faith, regardless of what it's in, having yeah. faith and having a belief in something bigger than yourself really goes a long way. And, you know, it's funny because set, feeling small sounds like a bad thing, but it can be such a, such a good thing for us. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, when you... Um, you know, when when you you started doing all this stuff, is yeah. there any uh, is there any tools that really stand out to you as being transformative in that? You know, because you said it only happened two years ago where you started to realize that you needed to release that shame and let go yeah. of your past as part of your identity and not letting it define you. Mm -hmm. So, is there any tools that that were particularly transformative in that process or a moment that happened? Uh, it was a couple things. In 2018, I came across a guy named Ed Milet. Online. Oh, yeah. I've heard of Ed Milet. 
And I became obsessed. I started watching all of his YouTube shows and all of his his podcasts and things like that. I just, something drew me to him when I came across him on an ad or something. And I just started connecting with what he was saying and his guests. And they were like, I'm fascinated with people's stories. So I was watching his guests and the stuff that they've been through and then they're successful now. And him and himself, his story even was just crazy. And it was connecting me and drawing me. And it was funny because I'd already had my podcast, The Top of May Show started in 2017, but here in 2018, I'm listening to Ed. He does this thing called the Max Out Challenge. He issues it to his 1 million followers at the time on Instagram. And he said, post a one minute story of what you're passionate about, what drives you, what excites you to be successful in life. And I submitted this video and I won the Max Out Challenge and I won a phone call with Ed Milet or a Zoom call. Oh. It was supposed to be 20 minutes. Uh, we ended up talking for 30 and that was a life-changing call for me. It really helped me get my mindset on the right path. And and I think Ed is definitely one of those guys that I'll forever thank and, and bring him up. And, and so that's really what helped me get onto where I'm at today, I think. So mentorship has really just been huge in your life. Massive. And, and one of the things that Ed talks about is like, hey, if you're walking around at 85 degrees, you're depressed, you're cold, you know, don't have any friends or anything like that. Go seek out guys that are walking around 135. They're, you know, degrees. They're they're people that are doing what you want to be doing. Go seek them out. Find out what they're doing. Hang around with them. Just being in their presence is going to lift you up. And you're going to start to slowly see changes in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you start to see where your habits are, are falling short or where they're hurting you because you see their habits and how they're benefiting them. That yep. totally makes sense. And by the way, that's so cool that you got to talk to one of your uh, your mentors that, you know, was mentoring you from afar. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, so is there any, like, like, cause it sounds to me like, you know, you went from not being very sure and everything to really prospering in a big way with this shift. So do you want to speak a little bit on, you know, kind of how, how, how you view the world different, how your perception has changed? Yeah. I mean, the perception is for me has definitely changed in a, in a couple of different ways. One, I, I tell myself I had to be a quitter. And one, I had to quit being lazy. I had to quit being comfortable. I had to quit being around negative people. And I had to quit like doing drugs and drinking. I had to quit being a quitter because I'd start mm -hmm. all these business ventures and I, or I start to read this book and then I'd quit. Mm -hmm. And so I had to quit being a quitter. And uh, so that kind of like mentality for me was like, okay, if I'm going to commit to something, I'm going to do it. And I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week. I've been doing it for almost 10 years. And I get up and I spend time in prayer and then I start work. Like, how do I make two wins in it? Like two quick wins in the day is if I open my eyes, there's win number one. And if I get up out of bed and I make my bed, there's two wins in 15 seconds and that sets the tone for the day. And so I can get up to my office. I can focus on podcasting, booking guests, editing, working on my craft because I love podcasting. I love talking with people. Mm -hmm. And so- you know, my my view of the world is like, hey, I want to be successful for not only me, but for my wife and my kids. And I want to leave a different legacy with them uh, than I grew up with. And so that's really my what I fight for and my passion for is to get up and do that. Well, and you know, what's really cool is, and, and sorry if this is a little different direction than you're, than yeah. you're used to or whatever, but no. what's really cool is that most of the time when I hear people talk about self-discipline yeah. and that, that type of stuff, it... I, I I get I don't know how to describe it besides like the heebie-jeebies um, sure. because it feels very uh, 
like, okay, for lack of a better word, I know this is a buzzword, but it feels very toxic a lot of the time. But when I listen to you talk about it, I'm not getting that that feeling or that impression. So Mm. it sounds like you found a way to balance self-discipline with compassion, which is something that I really struggle with. I'm either really disciplined and mean to myself, (laughs) or I'm really compassionate and let things go and and don't do myself any favors. So can you speak a little bit to finding that balance and and how you found that balance? Because I could could use that and I'm sure my listeners could too. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, it was waking up early was not something that I ever did. I never even drank coffee until I worked for Starbucks. But when I got the job, they're like, hey, you have to be at work at 4 a.m. And I was like, I usually go to bed at that time. Like, this is crazy. And uh, so I've been doing that forever, even when I'm not, you know, uh, working at Starbucks anymore. But for me, I had to find that time that I could focus on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the early morning hours, I know that that's a time when my wife and my kids are sleeping. So I don't have to eat in the family time. But what I can do is I can work, work, focus on my, <clears throat> excuse me, I can focus on myself. I can read books and, and things like that and really mentally get to that point where I'm ready to have a very productive day. And that's really what's important to me is I have a vision wall. So I get in my room, uh, my office, and I have this vision wall. It's not even a vision board. I converted an entire wall of my office to my vision wall. And it's got my goals. It's got quotes. It's got where do I want to be? I've got you know the property that I want, the people that I want to meet, uh, my family on there. And one funny thing that's on there that I really strive for is I've got this thing that says, if I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too close. That's a goal <laughs> of mine. Like I want the house on the 20 acres. And it's funny, but it's true. Like I want that house. And so every morning I have to sit there and, and mentally I get into that right space. And that really is what helps me find that balance is I know that if I don't do that, if I don't get in the right spot mentally, I'm not going to be able to provide my family down the road and change that legacy. And I'm not eating into family time by getting up early. And so that's that's really what I, I never want to eat into family time with my passion. And so that helps me to kind of stay strong in that. Okay, so I'm going to kind of reiterate what I think you said, and you let me know yeah. if I'm if I'm accurate oh, or in, yeah. inaccurate. That was a long-winded answer, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it was fantastic. So it sounds to me like like you're saying that you've traded in the, the stick for the carrot and yeah. that you're approaching self-discipline from a motivated by love point of view, and you're also being mindful of where you know, what things you want to prioritize above this self-discipline and making sure that the self-discipline, while important, always comes after those priorities. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I was understanding you clearly. And and I really like, I like everything you just said. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Thank you. um, Yeah, exactly. You nailed it on that. I'm so sorry. My dog is going to... (laughs) It's okay. I bet he's adorable or she. <laughs> so, uh, so moving forward from there, you you've really started to implement all this stuff. And so, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what that success has looked like so far? And and because I think, you know, those small successes really start to compound. Yes. You know? So, so what has that looked like? Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm so sorry. This dog is never in my office, and my wife went left today, and so I had the dog mouth. So, I apologize. Um, <laughs> But uh, so the small successes, I mean, I think for me, it was the number one success was releasing my story and I started getting the feedback, right? And then um, having my two podcasts has helped me to kind of focus on, you know, the MMA side of things. And then the uh, Eric Allen showed the success that I've seen. I'm humbly considered number one MMA pad- podcast out here in the Northwest. And oh, um, congratulations. So- Thank you. So it's it's been fun to to see that grow. We're 227 episodes in on that. And I just hit an episode 100 on the Eric Allen show. And so 
nailing down the guests that I've wanted on my show has been these wins. So one after the other, one, I got to talk with Ed, right? But prior to that, I had Sean Whelan on the show, who's now a big name guy. And then since then, I've been able to talk with guys like um, Tim Story, Eric Legrand, Brad Lee, Bedros Kuhn, Jim the Rookie Morris in the movie the, Mookie, the Rookie is based off of. And so all these guys have I've been, I've been blessed to speak with these guys on my show. And so for me, those are all wins. And so I'm just continuing to move down this path of changing the world through the guests of my, you know, that come on my show. And so um, those are wins that I, that hopefully I, I'm making an impact with. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And this all really started to, to move forward and quickly for you when you decided to let your past go and yes. to, to share your story. So I guess my, my final question before I move on to, um, you know, uh, where people can find you and all of that fun stuff is what, what does that look like? And like, how would you advise someone else who's living in, cause it's very scary. It's very scary to be vulnerable. Right. Yeah. So, so how, how would you recommend that someone do that if they're, you know, starting from a really scary story like yours, where it's like people might judge me, or what if they agree, you know, with with the way that I was treated, or all these different things, um, you know, how do you how do you sort of break through that from your point of view? What would you recommend? Say it was your your child that asked you how to do that. Mm. You know, you one you have to quit. Really, you have to accept that people are going to judge you either way. Mm -hmm. And so um, whether you're staying where you're at or you're making a change for the better, people are always going to judge you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think once you realize that, you know, I don't really care what people think of me. And so I think if, if mentally, if you can get into that spot of saying, I'm going to do what's best for me and my family, and it doesn't matter what this guy thinks or that guy thinks, because he's got his own life and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a huge blocker that I think a lot of people fear. They fear judgment. Mm -hmm. And if they can get out of that mentality of like, it doesn't matter what this guy thinks, even if they're family member, because they can be some of the harshest judges ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And so like even, and, and it's because they, you're doing something that they would, they wish they could be doing. You're being successful and they're not there yet. Yeah. And so if you can get through that, that's a huge blocker for, for everybody. And even myself, it took me forever because I was, I had this fear of judgment. I had this fear of people like, uh, you know, pointing the finger at me saying, well, that guy's a loser because he went through that stuff or he did that and things like that. And once I realized that none of that ever matters, then it was a clear mindset of like, okay, now I've got to do this. So I would say one, quit, um, just accept that people are going to judge you either way, but don't care. Don't, it doesn't matter what they think of you. Yeah. And then two, go find people that are doing what you want to be doing, whether that's being an artist or a journalist or doing media or something that you're just passionate about, go find them and get uncomfortable for a minute and go introduce yourself and start like really pursuing that. And mm -hmm. just be, their presence, like I said, is going to lift you up, lift them up in that position and get you more comfortable in that. And it's going to get you away from the yuck that you might feel. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. And what about, um, did you ever find that you did small, like smaller versions of big, scary things to build yourself strength up? Or did you just kind of jump in? Totally. I think I've done a combination of both. And for me personally, where I'm at, we're out in Coeur d'Alene, is I wanted to kind of get my name out there in the local area. And so I researched local meetups and networking groups and things like that. And not knowing anybody, I just went and just said, hey, I want to learn and I want to connect and I want to network. And so it was just small like groups of maybe 25, 50 people at times. I didn't know anybody, but it, it helped me to 
get uncomfortable. And then now at this point, like most of the people in this town, uh, two years running, I've been in the top five entrepreneurs of North Idaho. And oh. so people have been voting me in that spot. So my name is getting out there because I, I stepped out of my comfort zone, not knowing it. And just the small groups, it doesn't have to be like massive people. Just go, you know, go hang out in a public place where if you feel you get there and you're like, this isn't for me, then you can sneak out, right? But you can also go there and you can grow so much. That is fantastic. So now that you've talked about how, you know, how how much has changed for you and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's lots of people who are interested in following your journey. So before we get to the game, can yeah. you let people know where to find you? Maybe your socials and your shows, the names and everything. Yeah, absolutely. So the top rated MMA show, it focuses on up and coming amateur uh, and pro MMA fighters that drops every single Saturday. And the Eric Allen show focuses on entrepreneurs, world changers and success minded people that drops every single Friday. Best place to get a hold of me is ericallenmedia.com. And I'm big on Instagram. It's just Eric G. Allen. It's E-R-I-K on Instagram there. And I respond to every comment and every DM. I love connecting and network with people. That's fantastic. Yes, you're very quick to respond. And just for anyone who's not sure, Alan is A-L-L-E-N. Um, I will link it in the uh, the description. So don't worry if you missed it. You don't have to skip back. And are you ready to guess some British slang? Let's do it. I'm excited. All right. This comes from Tandem.net. Okay. And I have no idea... You know, like I always tell people, I don't know what the accuracy of this is. I'm okay. just going off a list on the internet. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, so we'll start with something easy. What's a bloke? Uh, it's uh, just a friend, I think. Yeah, right? it's, it's, a, it's a dude. Yeah, it's like dude. dude. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what does it mean to leg it? Leg it. Mm. Uh, like walk? Uh, run, run away. Run. Okay. So I legged it from the cops, you know? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what does knackered mean? Knackered. Oh, man. Uh, it sounds like maybe, is it confused? Uh, it is, oh, I lost it. Okay. <laughs> tired. <laughs> <laughs> it means to be like super, super tired. Um, I've heard oh, okay. it before. Like, yeah, like, so like I stayed up all night and I'm knackered today. Kind of, kind of thing. I just make up these sentences. Again, That's I'm awesome. sorry if any British people are bothered. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so this one, it's, uh, I, I really enjoy this, this uh, term. It's taking the piss. Taking the piss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's definitely not going to the bathroom, I think. I would say it's, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, uh, gosh, uh, taking a break. Uh, no, it means to tease someone. Oh, to tease so, someone. So okay. if I'm like razzing you or teasing yeah. you, then I'm just taking the piss, okay. which I think is okay. such a funny term. I've always loved it whenever I hear a British person say it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's hilarious. So this one, when I read it, it's the opposite of what I would think it means. Okay. So I'm hoping that it's hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's um, chuffed. Awesome. What does it mean to be chuffed? chuffed? <sighs> Gosh. Uh, is that... I don't want to say it's probably not drunk. That's what I would think. Um, chuffed. Is that just chilled? It Relaxed? Means to be happy or delighted. But to me, oh. it sounds like miffed, you know, like I'm, I'm yeah. slightly aggravated. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'll do one more. Okay. And so uh, what are pants? What are pants? Uh, gosh, what are pants? <laughs> I have no idea. Um Oh gosh! And you reversed it on me. I don't know. I don't know it's, what pants would be. Pants? It's underpants, isn't that Under- wild? Because they call it like, underpants. Yeah, because we call them 
like that's what pants are. Like I guess trousers is what they would say. But oh, okay. yeah, so whenever I hear that, I get very, very confused. Right. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, that's funny. No, I had no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Is there anything you want to add before I say goodbye to the audience? I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. This was a great show and really, really just honored to be on and, and a great conversation. I love the game at the end. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. I too am honored and excited to talk to you. Um, so I, uh, I just appreciate it so much. And to my audience, I love you. Bye. 